I'm excited to be here this morning, as I hope you are too. We're going to have a party. If we haven't met before, my name is Pastor Sam, um, and today is Student Takeover, which is exciting. We get to honor our students. You saw some um, as you were coming in. They were leading us in worship, um, and just, man, I am just so in awe of what it is that God is doing. And I hope that today you leave encouraged about what it is that God is doing and what God will continue to do. And so today I want to talk to you about the joy of walking with Jesus. And so I don't know what kind of preaching style you like, but to be honest with you, it's pretty hard for me to contain myself up here. So if I'm moving around a little bit and I kind of like run a little bit, you must forgive me because I'm just excited about what it is that God's word is saying. I'm excited about the fact that we get to walk in joy in a world that simply seeks joy, seeks an actual fulfillment of their spirit. We have that. We have exactly what the world desires but doesn't know that they need. And so today, we're going to talk about the joy of walking with Jesus. In the video you just saw, they talked about a story, Pastor Terry Talked in depth about it last week, and it's a beautiful thing, the way that God lines things up. But it's a story of a prodigal son. And it's a story about two sons. Two sons, both equally lost. But before we go too much further, I want to share with you a little bit about one of my friends. All right? It was one of my friends when I was growing up. It was probably about that tall. And it was one of my friends. He was always super encouraging, always super kind, super comforting. He'd always be there when I needed him. He wouldn't ignore me. He was always present. He was kind of fluffy and kind of cuddly. My friend was a toy sheep. It wasn't just any toy sheep, though. It was my favorite toy in general. It was a beautiful thing. I would take the little fluffy stuffed animal. It was white, kind of, because it had a few stains. And every time that I would shake this little sheep, it would go, bah! And it just brought such joy to my soul. And so I would carry this toy sheep everywhere it is that I went. Whenever I was scared, I'd run, grab my toy sheep, and I'd shake it a little bit. And I was like, oh, my buddy's here. Everything's going to be okay. When I was sad, I would run to my little toy sheep, and I would shake it, and I'd think, everything's going to be okay. When I was happy, I would grab my little toy sheep and go play. And I was like, this is good. Why do I tell you about my little toy sheep? Well, maybe it's because I knew my toy sheep very, very well. I knew what it was like. I knew that it was fluffy and fun. I knew where it had stains that I had made. I knew where it was ripped a little bit. And I knew when I couldn't find it. And I'm here to talk to you about joy today. And here's the reality. That true joy is only found in intimacy of relationship with Jesus. You see, I knew my little toy sheep. I had a very deep attachment with my little toy sheep. 
But the reality is, is that the intimacy, the type of intimacy that we have with Jesus is so much deeper than that. And the type of joy that I experience with my little toy sheep is nothing compared to the joy that we get to experience in Jesus. And so what happens when we lose our joy? What happens when we as the church are supposed to be the beacon of hope for the people around us? But we maybe have lost a little bit of joy. I want us to look at a story today, and it's found in Acts chapter 16. Um, We're going to read from verse 19 to 24 to start us off. And it's a story of two people, Paul and Silas, okay? Paul and Silas, both people are coming together and they're in pursuit of being obedient to Jesus. They're right now on a missionary journey. um, And the story that we're going to read is what happens when they get to Philippi, okay? So Acts chapter 16, starting verse 19 says this. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we, met, uh, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for, for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servant of the Most High God who is telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In Jesus' name, in, in Jesus Christ, Uh, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that that their hope of money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men, these Jews, are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for the Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When they received these orders, um, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. And man, what a story! We're going to read the second part of that in a little bit. But what a story to just kind of reflect on. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful yet complicated moment. Because they're in pursuit of what they feel God has asked them to do. But yet the outcome of obedience isn't what they expected it to be. And so they're seeking to be obedient to God, but instead of receiving glory, instead of receiving encouragement, instead of receiving open arms in a warm embrace, they receive punishment. And I think this goes a little contrary to at least how I often think of my faith. I often think that if I do the right things and if I, if I am obedient to God, then these types of things won't happen to me. And it's in moments where these types of things happen, maybe not this extreme physically, but spiritually I feel drained, or emotionally I feel angry, or whatever it is, I am not experiencing the type of joy that I feel like God has promised me. It's in those moments where I begin to question. And I'm like, God, I'm I'm trying to be obedient here. I'm trying to honor you. I'm trying to do what you've told me to do. But at the end of the day, it seems like you don't care. And it's in those moments that I'm reminded of this truth, that when you know Jesus, 
you know joy. When you know Jesus, you know joy. See, there's two, two different types of joy. Joy when you are walking in God's will. And then there's a different type of joy when we experience things that are a little bit uncomfortable. There's a joy that happens when you're kind of walking and, you know, like blessings just seem to come and you're enjoying yourself and you're like, man, life is good. I'm so full of joy. Yeah, of course, that's one type of joy. And then there's another type of joy that comes when things don't go the way that we expect them. And Paul and Silas knew what that was like. Paul, more than anybody, I think, (laughs) that I know at least, knows what this is like. In 1 Corinthians 11, he lays out all the things that he's been through. He's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been accused of different things. He's been put in prison. He's been, he's come close, he's been stoned and come close to death numerous, at least once. And in the midst of all of this, he later in a letter to the Philippians, says this, Philippians 4.12, I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I've learned the secret of facing these things and being content. And this secret carries a connotation of actually having been initiated into a divine revelation. And so when he says, I've received a secret, really what he's saying is the secret is Jesus Christ and what it is that he's done. And so because I know this truth, because I've been revealed, God has revealed this secret to me, I can be content in any situation. And so when it comes to him being in prison, he knows how to be content. When it comes to him being shipwrecked, he knows how to be content. When it comes to things not going the way that he would expect, he knows how to be content. Because knowing Jesus means you know joy. And so, in the prison, they're facing a situation they don't expect and they don't probably fully understand, and they begin to sing. You know, I was listening to a leadership podcast the other day um, by John Maxwell, and he was talking about passions and how to find your passion, and he said kind of two things that really stuck out to me. He's like, the things that make you passionate are the things that make you sing and the things that make you cry. The things that make you sing are the things that excite you, the things that bring you joy. And the things that make you cry are the things that that burden you and make you passionate and and kind of make you want to bring about change in those areas. And so when I see Paul singing, This man is not talking. He is singing to God. They are singing praises to the Lord in the midst of a situation where I feel like, at least for myself, I would be internally wrestling to even decide whether I should or should not worship in this moment. Should I be joyful or should I be upset? And yet Paul sings. And here's why I think Paul sings. Because when you know Jesus, you have confident hope. So when you know Jesus, you know joy, but also when you know Jesus, you have confident hope. And here's the hope that he has. The hope is not that everything will turn out the way that he expects it to be, but that in everything, Jesus is working things for his good. 
In all things, Paul knows that God has a plan. Paul and Silas know that if they remain in prison, everything's going to be okay. And if they don't remain in prison, everything's going to be okay. Why? Because they know Jesus. They have that level of intimacy with him. They know the heart of the Father, and they know that God loves them, and that he cares about them, and that he will be there with them, and that regardless of what they face, they can put their hope in him and trust God. And this serves as a testimony for the people around them, because you see, not only does it say that they were singing, but it says the other prisoners were listening to them. Imagine what our world would look like if we, if, if we were going through, per se, a pandemic. And, and the church was just so full of joy that it didn't make sense. That when people looked at a Christian, they would be like, whoa, man, the world is falling apart. But like, why are you so happy? Like, why are you still singing praises? Why are you humming tunes to worship songs as you do your work? Why are you not upset? And they would begin to listen and hear and know and maybe ask questions of who this God is that we serve. And so this brings me to my third point. And it's this. When you trust Jesus, things that were meant to destroy you become opportunities for God to reveal his glory in your life. The things that were meant to destroy you, if we trust him, will become opportunities for God to reveal his glory in your life. And that's the truth. That's the truth. You can, you can take that to the bank. God knows what he's doing, and he has already won the victory. And so we're going to continue reading the story, picking it up in verse 26. It says this. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he knew his sword and was, uh, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailers called for lights, or the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them in his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When you trust Jesus, things that were meant to destroy you become opportunities for God to reveal his glory in your life. And I love this picture of Paul and Silas sitting in prison. 
And then all of a sudden, it says suddenly their chains fell off. They're, they're out here singing. And then all of a sudden, their chains and shackles come off. And, and I just kind of reflected on this moment. I'm like, God, this is so beautiful. Because I feel like so often in my life, the situations around me shake my faith and force me to wrestle. But in this situation, when I look at Paul and Silas, what happens is the complete opposite. Their situation is a little bit chaotic, but they are grounded in the faith. And so what happens is their grounding in the faith allows them to see God shake their situation. It's a complete reversal as opposed to a situation shaking us. Our faith can shake a situation. Because God is good and he is faithful. And I love Madison's testimony today. Madison, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. It's a powerful thing to be in the middle of that wrestle, in the middle of, man, I, I know God is good and I know that he's providing for me. And I, even though I haven't received the healing physically, I know that I've received spiritual healing and emotional healing and mental healing and that God will continue to heal me. And what that looks like doesn't really matter. I want to encourage you today. If you feel like you're in prison, Whatever prison you might be in, it might be an emotional one, it might be um, a, a, a mental one, you might feel like your finances are a prison, you might feel like your family situation is a prison, you might feel like your relationship situation is a prison, you might feel like something is a prison in your life, but the reality is, is that we, if we ground ourselves in the Lord, he is faithful to reveal himself and the things that were meant to destroy you become opportunities for God to reveal his glory in your life. And the beautiful thing about this, whew, this part gets me excited, because God reveals himself. And here, here's the, okay, I'm about you. I've never seen God physically move something, but I think if I did, I'd be like, this is crazy. This is a miracle. This is insane. And I get it. it it's, it's something supernatural. And every time I read this story, I'm like, wow, that's a miracle. They got released from their shackles. But when I look at the story, they don't get released from prison right away. They stay. It's this crazy moment where their shackles are released, but they don't run. They stay. Because the actual miracle is still to come. And so they go, and the jailer comes to them, and they're able to share the gospel. And then the jailer's whole family, their, his whole household, gets saved. Friends, this is the true miracle. That is the true miracle. You see, us experiencing joy is a beautiful thing. And us having, being able to have this confident hope that we can ground in in this faith in God that no matter what comes against us, that God is for us is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But what that ultimately leads to is us sharing the gospel with others. And it's both in words and in our actions. Because when we trust God, 
we bring freedom and joy to others. When we trust God and we place our confidence in him and we walk with him and we walk in the joy of of our salvation, we bring freedom and joy to others. And this is who who we were meant to be as followers of Jesus. And so I don't know what it looks like for you today. I don't know where you've been this week or what your relationship with God has looked like. But there's an opportunity in front of each of us each day with the relationships that we have with the people that God places in front of us. Will we walk in joy and see freedom and joy brought to the lives of others? Man, God wants intimacy with you. He wants intimacy with me. And at the end of the day, if everything was taken away from us, would Jesus be enough? Would Jesus be enough for you? Would he be enough for me? I want my answer to be yes. And there's a process that I believe that God takes us on. And a lot of that includes moments just like Paul and Silas. Moments where we don't understand, where we don't see a way out, when we might be a little frustrated. But it's a moment where we get to see God move and we get to share the love and hope and the joy of Jesus with those around us. So my final thought on joy is this. Some people say that joy is a situation. The circumstances that you find yourself in will bring you joy. Some people say that joy is a decision. And some people say that joy is a a feeling. I don't know who's more right, but I know this, that true joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and it comes from God. And Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, not so that we could know a lot about him, but so that we could be in relationship with him. And so what I want to challenge you with today is this. When you go home or when you wake up in the morning, take some time and don't come to God with your requests first. Just ask God, God, would you show me your heart? Would you show me your heart? I just want to know you. Would you show me your heart? I think the more that we can ask that question and allow God to speak to us and allow God to reveal to us who he is, the more we will be equipped and empowered where situations come that we don't understand to remember and have confident hope in who God is 
and all it is that he's promised to us. And so, friends, we serve a good God. We serve a God who is faithful and who is true, who has a plan for our lives. If I just summarize the ending of this story, what happens is that Paul and Silas, right, they see this whole family get saved, and then they go back to prison. And eventually, the very people who put them in prison come and ask for their forgiveness, and they're released to continue to do what God has asked them to do. God has a plan. And so you can have joy in walking with him. You can trust him. You can walk in peace. Might not be easy, but at the end of the day, may we know him. May we know his heart for us. And may we walk in joy. Can I pray for us today? Lord, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. Thank you that regardless of any situation that we face in our lives, that you're bigger than that. That whatever the enemy has tried to convince us will destroy us. That you are stronger than that. So, Father, I just pray your peace over each person in this room and watching online. Lord, I pray that your joy would fill them and strengthen them, that we would remember, we would remember how good our God is and that it would bring a little bit of excitement and a little bit of passion and that it would cause us to sing even in moments where our physical situation might not be what we expected it to be. So Father, would you lead us? Would you speak to us? Would you hold us? Be with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.